This evening we are looking at the life of Elizabeth and uh, I've entitled my message this evening or study this evening as blameless yet barren. Blameless yet barren. Now uh, the meaning of Elizabeth as a start off, let's do some general uh, understanding. Elizabeth means my God is an oath or my God is abundance or basically saying that my God is the one who keeps his promise abundantly. Okay, God is a God who keeps his word and not just here and there but in abundance. But when you look at Elizabeth's life, we find that she was blameless yet she was barren. Did God keep his word? Did God keep his promise? Did God keep his promise in abundance? Sometimes we can go through our lives recognizing that yes, our God is a God who keeps his promise. But we may have questions when we go through different situations and ask God. But my prayer is this evening as we look at the life of Elizabeth, we would learn this important truth that God wants us to be blameless before him and in his own way, in his own time, he does keep his word. He does fulfill his promises in our lives. Couple of interesting facts about Elizabeth. Number one, she is believed to be a descendant of Aaron, prophet and the priest. And also Aaron's wife was Elisheba, which is a Hebrew understanding of Elizabeth. Interesting. Number two, Elizabeth is revered as a saint in the Roman Catholic Church and her feast day is celebrated on September 23rd. But not only the Roman Catholic Church, even Orthodox churches and Anglican churches you know, celebrate her life on September 5th, which is the same day as her husband Zechariah's day that they celebrate. Okay. Thirdly, you know, do the Catholics, the Orthodox and the Anglicans celebrate her? She is also revered and honored even by Muslims as wise and pious. Now, there's just some interesting facts about Elizabeth. Okay, Elizabeth was also a woman of first. Okay, a woman of first. You know what do you mean by another you know, woman of first? She is the one who uh, is first mentioned in Luke's gospel. The first woman to be mentioned in Luke's gospel. Now remember, that time the society was you know, not really very favorable to the women. Okay? It was more a patriarchal society. The women were looked down upon. But in his account, Luke is very, very specific. You know? And even in this initial chapters itself, he recognizes three important women. You have Elizabeth, you have Mary, and then you also have Anna, the prophetess. So Luke is the, Anna, Elizabeth is the first woman that is mentioned in Luke's gospel. Also, Elizabeth is the first person in Luke's gospel to refer to Jesus as Lord. Visited her, the scripture tells us that under the influence of the Spirit of God, she recognized her, you know, Jesus in the womb and said, you know, you, know, you should have, you know, that you should come to me. Look at the words that, he, that she mentions in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 42. It says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. She recognizes, you know, even before Jesus is born, even when Jesus is in the womb, she recognizes that Jesus is Lord. You must really think upon, isn't it? So Elizabeth was a woman of first, the first woman to be mentioned by Luke and also the first person in Luke's gospel who refers to Jesus as Lord. Now let's look into the scriptures and find out 
what does the Bible have to tell us about Elizabeth? First of all, let's look at the family connection. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 5, this is what we read. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Blamelessly. Okay. So Luke describes Elizabeth as one of the daughters of Aaron, basically saying that she came from this uh, priestly line, the honored priestly line. So both Zechariah as well as uh, Elizabeth's lineage is rich with spiritual history. Is rich with spiritual history. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 7 tells us you know, the responsibilities of Levites, <laughs> where it says, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Okay. Now, if both came from this priestly line, then they would have definitely been exposed to a lot of teaching of scripture from the Old Testament times. And as they were taught, the scripture also tells us they walked blamelessly before God. In other words, you know, they kept the law. Whatever the Lord demanded of them, they did it. And they made sure that their lives were pure and holy before God. So there was a priestly descent on both sides. You know. And priests were allowed to marry pious women. That's what Leviticus chapter 21 and verse 7 tells us. And the fact that Zechariah married Elizabeth would also tell us that here was a woman who was pious, who was holy, who kept herself righteous and pure. Okay. Also, the second thing we recognize is how was Elizabeth connected to Mary? What's the relationship between the two? Okay. If you notice in Luke chapter 1 and verse 36, this is what we read. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own old age. This is what the angel told Mary. Okay. Now, while some versions translate the Greek word for this, which is you know, sugenis as cousin, others translate it as simply a relative. Okay, so Elizabeth was from the tribe of you know, Levi, Levites, while Mary was from the tribe of Judah. And Levi and Judah were brothers, okay, two of the 12 sons of Israel. So this would make these two women definitely relatives, and if not first cousins, then at least distant cousins. Okay, so that is the relationship between the two. A close relationship, first cousins. If you're looking at you know, a distant, definitely a relative. And that's the word that is used there by the angel. Thirdly, the scripture tells us that she was a godly woman. She was a righteous woman. She was righteous before God, walking in all the commandments of the Lord, blameless. What a, an accommodation. Think for a moment, you know, if the scripture says, here were these two people who did everything that the Lord asked them to do. Okay. Now, would that be able to be said of us? And in the midst of, they did everything that was asked by God, still they were barren. Okay. So that's a thought we must remember. Sometimes we think, you know, because we are doing everything that God has asked us to do, we expect a bonus from God. Or we expect God to do everything that we want. Now, it doesn't work out that way. We don't follow God. We don't you know, obey His commandments because we expect Him to shower His you know, blessings upon us. No, no. We worship God. We obey His commands purely because we believe who He is and that is His expectation of us. So the scripture nowhere to tells about, you know, they were upset that God had not answered their prayer or they had 
stopped believing, not at all. You know, that did not come in the way at all. All that they were concerned about is, this is what God has said, we are going to obey it. Now, if uh, Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth has been living in this particular time, that time, you remember, Herod has rebuilt the temple. And of course, by rebuilding, there was definitely a whole lot of desecration that would have taken place because he did the improvements, not according to what God wanted, but you know, what he wanted, which will please the Jews. And the Jews at that time, especially the leaders, were highly corrupted people. So it is not that the times and the seasons at that time were godly seasons. Not at all. Okay, Not at all. Remember the scribes and the Pharisees, how much upset they were with Jesus when he came around preaching and telling them that what they were doing was wrong. So Elizabeth and Zechariah were living a godly life in the midst of an ungodly world. And that speaks a lot about their relationship with him. We find that in spite of their blameless living, they were still childless. They were still childless, okay? Three or four or five words that are mentioned over there. It says verse 7, but they had no children. They had no children, okay? It's toward God, but they no child. And the scripture tells us also in that same verse, verse 7, because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in Yes. Okay. Now, for that time, in that culture, for a person, for a woman to be childless, you know, and especially the woman or the wife of the priest was definitely very, very humiliating because it was a dream, you know, of every woman that she would bring the Messiah into the world. And that was their expectations. That was their expectations. You know, They were faithful to God. Definitely they would have longed for children. Maybe just one child. But the gospel starts off with saying, but they had no child. Now remember, infertility was seen as a sign of divine disfavor. And a great deal of shame was attached to being childless. Okay? This was at that time. And especially at that time, they believed that infertility was typically believed to be the woman's failing and not the husband's. Sad to say even today, a lot of people still believe that. You know, it is the woman's problem, not the man's problem, which is not really true. Now, look at the Old Testament times. There were a lot of people who had a similar issue, isn't it? You know, a lot of individuals whom God miraculously provided a child much later on in years. Was Elizabeth aware of that? Yes, she was aware of that. Was Elizabeth hoping and praying that God would answer her prayers? Yes, definitely. But now it is beyond her childbearing years. You know, think again of Sarah, who bore Isaac in her old age. You have Manoah's wife, whose son, Samson was born as a result of what the angel came and told them. Hannah prayed for a child. Much, much, you know, after a long time of barrenness, you know, the Lord answered her prayer and Samuel was born. Now here also, I believe, she would have definitely thought about all that. Was she aware of Old Testament? Yes, she was aware of the Old Testament. You know? And she has been holding on to that hope that God has given. That yes, this is what happened in Old Testament times. I'm believing God also for that. But they had no child. No child. Look into our own lives this evening. There are a lot of times that we have our expectations. You know? This is what I expect God to do. This is what God has mentioned in his word. And we wait and wait and wait. And at times, we can lose hope. But here we learn from Elizabeth's life this evening, not to give up on God. Our God is a God who keeps his oath. Our God is a God who keeps his oath in abundance, in a way that it will be beyond our understanding. 
Now, it would be in this particular case to give a child in her old age, which was God's plan. Maybe that may not be, you know, the answer to your prayer. You are expecting something, God may give you something else, but don't give up on God. We learn that she was a privileged woman. She was a privileged woman. The scripture tells us, you know, that the angel Gabriel came and visited Zechariah when he was in the temple and said, your prayer is heard, your wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and you shall call his name John. Okay. So that is a great privilege, you know, that God did keep his oath. God did keep his promise and answered her prayer. But also a greater privilege, a greater privilege would be that she was the first woman to confess Jesus as Lord. Okay. Was not yet born. God gave her the privilege to address him as her Lord. That's a great privilege, isn't it? Something that is beyond our expectations, beyond our understanding. Now, I'm sure she would have never have dreamt that this is what is going to happen. So many years of barrenness. But God did finally answer her prayers way beyond her imagination. And that's what the scripture tells us, isn't it? The scripture says, I has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. What God has prepared. Now, we do not know what God has prepared for our future, but we hold on to God. And as God unravels the future to us, one step at a time, one day at a time, we too would definitely be privileged individuals. Okay. Let's look at Elizabeth's faith. Elizabeth's faith. Okay, you know, try and put yourself in um, Elizabeth's shoes. Husband has gone into the temple. You know what is the the pattern at that particular time? You know they had to go into the holy of holies, you know, and if uh, the sacrifice was not accepted, they will be struck down dead, and they had to pull out pull out the body. But here, he is not struck down dead. But when he comes out of you know the temple, he cannot speak, you know, he cannot speak. You know. People would have asked, what's happening? What happened? What happened? And he has explained. And then he comes home to his wife and shares with her, this is what has happened. Now, now notice 25, verse 25, okay? Uh, it says, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And she says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Not much of communication between Zechariah and Elizabeth. He cannot speak, but there's obviously been communication to say, this is what God has said. And when she became pregnant, her declaration is, this is what God has done. This is not something that we have done. We are way beyond our you know, age to bad children. But this is what God has done. She gives the glory to God. Now, we must remember that you know, Elizabeth was living in an age where there had not been a, a prophecy from God for over 400 years. Okay. Intertestamental period, no prophets, no voice of God. But she still believed. During all those years of silence, as much as there was a barrenness in her life, there was also silence in the nation of Israel. God has not spoken to them you know, for 400 years. But Elizabeth and Zechariah have not forgotten God have not thought of doing something else, worshipping some other idols maybe, but no, they were still faithful to God. It is interesting when you're thinking about Zechariah being there on that particular day. Remember, there were at least around 24,000 priests at that time, 
okay, and they had divided them into 24 divisions of a thousand in each division, okay, and lots were cast, and that came on the lot was allowed to be there for that one week. And in that one week period, one of those you know, thousand priests would be into that holy of holies. So think for a moment, you know, the odds that Zechariah's division lot will come and that Zechariah would be the priest who would go in. Who is masterminding all this? Did God hear the prayer of, the, of his children? Yes, definitely. God was the one who was working things out from behind the scenes, making sure that on that particular day, when Angel Gabriel came in, you know, he was the one who was there and spoke to him and said, this is what is going to happen. Now, Elizabeth would have been at least 60 plus, okay, when, she, when it says she was beyond the childbearing age. So both of them were actually, if you were to say, senior citizens. You know? And for at least, you know, 50 years, 60 years, you know, you know, 40 to you know, 60 years, they have been praying, praying, praying that God answer their prayers. They did not lose heart at all. They did not lose their trust at all. They did not lose faith in God at all. Elizabeth had that unwavering faith to say, this is from God. Husband Elizabeth, uh, husband Zechariah was not that cold-hearted in his faith, isn't it? He asked when the angel said this, what's going to happen? He said, answer, give me some proof, you know. How do you think I'm going to, you know, sort of you know, be the individual who would bear this child? You know, not possible. And the Lord said, okay, you know, you're saying you want a sign? You'll be struck dumb. You won't be able to speak till the boy is born. But for Elizabeth, her faith was as soon as she got pregnant. As soon as Zechariah has come home and said, this is what the angel, whatever communication methods he used, okay, she recognizes this is from God. No questions asked over there. You know? She says, this is from God. That is where we understand his, her faith. And then later on also, when the time comes for the naming of the child, you know, she says very confidently, his name is John. Okay. She doesn't give options over there. You know. Why? Because Zechariah has already said, you know, this is what the angel has said, his name will be called John, and that communication has happened in whatever pattern between themselves has communicated. And she with full confidence says, this is John, this is the one whom the angel has prophesied, this is the one who is definitely going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Okay, so that was her faith. Now, she has given birth. Okay, in Luke chapter 1, verse 24, verse 24, it says, Sina, after this, wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months, remained in seclusion. Now, after a pregnancy, before giving birth, for five months, she is secluded. So now we move to the seclusion of Elizabeth. Different questions could be asked, you know, why was she secluded? Faith, or did that show her doubt? Okay. Some people would have said that as soon as she recognizes that uh, she is with child, she should have Maybe gone around saying, hey, okay, I'm a child. You guys thought that you know, you know, God is not going to answer my prayer. I'm going to flaunt it in front of you that God has answered my prayer. You know. She could have been you know, a religious snob thinking that she was entitled to this since she had devoted her life to God. She could have lauded it over her friends and relatives who had sneered at her over the years and made her life miserable. She did not do any of that. She did not flaunt the answer that God had given, but she remained in seclusion. Now, it could also be that physically she was having a tough time 
or maybe she did not want anybody to know about it just in case something happened you know remember you know she is in her second trimester and then she wanted to make sure that things are all going to be safe you know till the next trimester comes in she wanted to make sure that things would be safe this is a late pregnancy whatever whatever may be the reason you know, that she kept herself secluded did not shout out her pregnancy from the rooftops she quietly accepted it as a favor from god and radiated in her within her the blessing that god had given to her when she says the lord has removed this disgrace for me in other words for her these months were times of receiving from god the abundance of blessing that he had showered upon her she was not wanting to flaunt it around but it was drawing her close to god there are times when we speak there are times when we don't speak there are times when we have to be secluded with god so that our relationship with god is strengthened there are times also where we have to share with others about what god has done so that not only our lives but their lives can be benefited important truths that we can learn then we find that mary visits elizabeth in luke chapter 1 verses 39 onwards after the same angel has visited with mary and told her that yes look here even your relative is with child when she has questions remember elizabeth is past the you know child bearing age mary is a young girl you know very very you know able in that sense to <coughs> bear a child but the difference was that mary was born they had no relationships joseph and mary but that which was conceived in her was of the holy spirit and that was something strange for her and she could not understand it but she says okay you know this is what it is i am your handmaiden be it unto me as sinna what the lord says in a i believe all with god all things are possible but one thing that the angel gabriel had told her was even elizabeth as with child okay now as a result you know if you notice in verse 39 it says at that time when the when the angel left her at that time verse 39 says Mary got up and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted uh, Elizabeth okay now for her something like a a confirmatory now Elizabeth is a child that is something that is unheard of Mary angel is saying you are with child you will be with child she doesn't follow she says okay you know let me just check it out or let me also assure myself that this is true that this is what is going to happen so mary hurried to elizabeth's home which was a distance of approximately 130 kilometers from nazareth okay and she definitely knew that elizabeth and zechariah were two of the few people who would readily believe what was happening to her she also wanted to witness the sign that the angel had given to her that even elizabeth is pregnant zechariah and elizabeth would have understood that that is there when a woman is barren also the talk of the town when a young girl becomes pregnant and is not the one involved that also would have been bad so she knew that elizabeth and zechariah would be able to believe what is happening to her so as a result both of them meet and the scripture tells us that as soon as they met was 41 when elizabeth heard mary's greeting the baby leaped in her womb and elizabeth was filled with the holy spirit okay she leaped in her womb okay now remember for 5 months she has been secluded elizabeth she would have definitely been lonely no one to talk to and god again masterminds the events now god did not say 
look here, go and visit Elizabeth, she's lonely. No, no, you know, God is the one who made sure through the angel Gabriel, spoke to Zechariah, spoke to Mary, and also made sure that Mary goes to Elizabeth's place, not only to find comfort, but also to encourage her as well. But if you put yourself in Elizabeth's shoes over here, okay, now it would definitely have been the talk of town that in a year a woman who is not yet married in that sense of the term, who is now with child, you know, that's the reason why she left her hometown because the talk was there. And for Elizabeth to welcome her, welcome her into her home, that would have also created more talk. But at this stage, they were not worried about what people are going to say. They knew that this is from God. Just as much as Mary knew that this was the Lord's doing, Elizabeth also knew that this was from the Lord. Okay? So the angel Gabriel sent Mary to Elizabeth, no doubt for confirmation and for comfort. And for comfort. Okay? And both of them would be able to realize you know, and recognize the hand of God. And these next couple of months that they spend together, the scripture speaks over there and says that you know, she spent the next three months, the next three months she spent over there. And during this time, she would have definitely had a lot of conversation, a lot of looking back on what God is doing, what God is up to. And looking back on prophecies, maybe, and thinking about how this is all going to be a fulfillment of the uh, prophecy that they have been waiting for so long. The silence of God has now changed to, you know, speaking and joy and you know, exuberation has come in because the angel of the Lord has come and spoken to them. But when Mary visits Elizabeth, there is no sign of any jealousy recognizes that the one whom Mary is carrying is going to be the Messiah. Okay? And the one whom Elizabeth is carrying is going to be the forerunner. He is not going to be the Messiah. And if the heart of every woman at that time was that she would be the one who would bear the Messiah, now, Elizabeth, when she recognizes her own relative Mary is carrying the child, she's not jealous in any way. She's not upset in any way. She does not say, look, I'm the senior person. I'm the one who has been you know, praying all along. So I should have been the one. No, not at all. All that she focuses is on Mary and the child. This speaks a lot about Elizabeth, isn't it? She exhibits true godly character. She takes care of Mary, and during this difficult time, she spends time with her, not thinking so much so about her, you know. Remember, she is five months, you know, but, you know, she is not concerned so much so about her, but she spends a lot of time with Mary, speaking to her, encouraging her, thinking about all the prophecies, maybe, you know, and also comparing notes, you know, from a young girl to a senior citizen, looking at all that is happening in their bodies, looking at all that God is doing in their lives, okay? And then later on, we find, you know, that led to, you know, in verse 45, when she says, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. She encourages her. She encourages her. She doesn't put a doubt in her mind to say, is this really of God? Now that you're saying that you're going to bear the Messiah. No, no. She recognizes that, yes, this is the one. If you notice, John the Baptist in the womb rejoices because he is the forerunner of the Messiah who is going to come. Okay? And then she says, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said will be accomplished. She encourages her faith, which then makes Mary respond in song, okay? That's such a great truth over there, okay? She could have, both of them could have sat down and compared notes about all the bad things that had happened to them or the bad things that are happening to them. But no, they compare 
notes about what God is doing. They are able to see God's hand in everything that has happened so far and what God is doing in their lives. And when that happens, when two people come together and they share notes about what God is doing in their lives, what happens? There's always a, a song that comes out. There's always rejoicing that comes out. But how often when two people can come together and share notes about what God is not doing. Or oh, this happened and that happened. I expected this and this did not work out. If two people come and share their woes together, there's not going to be any rejoicing. But here, two individuals came together, shared what God was doing. And as a result, if you notice, Mary breaks out into song. And the song has become famous today, if you were to say, which is often called as the Magnificent. And then in verse 56, it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Time for Elizabeth to have a baby, verse 57, and she gave birth to a son. Now, whether it was you know, after Elizabeth gave birth that Mary left, the scripture doesn't tell us. And the scripture says only that she stayed with her for three months. Okay. Then it says in verse 56, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Okay. Spoke up and said. <laughs> Remember I said earlier that in that particular culture, not only were women looked down upon, they were not supposed to speak anything at all. You know? But what does she do here? The confidence that she has in God and says, this is what God has said. His name will be John. So she doesn't keep him out quiet. Husband cannot speak. You know? Husband's responsibility to you know, give the na name to the child. And they expected maybe it would be from the father's you know, name that would come in because he is old. But she says, no, he is to be called John. Then they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. He does not say his name will be called John. You know, he says his name is John. In other words, this is a statement of faith that Zechariah said. I wonder if during those nine months, you know, Zechariah would have said, when will I start speaking? Am I going to be permanently you know, you know, dumb that I cannot speak at all? You know? Months would have been really, really trying months. Not only for Zechariah, but also for Elizabeth. And I think what type of communication that they would have had. But in during all these times, you know, they have had such a close uh, relationship Elizabeth has not abandoned Zechariah. Zechariah has not abandoned Elizabeth, but both of them have together trusted God so that now at this particular stage, you know, the angel did not say, once you say his name is John, your mouth will be open. No, he was not aware when it is going to come. But when he uttered those words of faith to say his name is John, then immediately the scripture tells us his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. And then Zechariah breaks out into a song. Eight, nine months, he couldn't speak. Now he has so much to speak. All that God has been telling him during those nine months. Just as much as Elizabeth was secluded, and it was a relationship building in a, uh, with God for her, even during these nine months, it has been a relationship building for Zechariah with God. So that as soon as his mouth is open, the scripture tells us in verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied what is going to happen. He says, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Who told him all that? Old Testament scripture, yes. But during these times when he couldn't speak, God has definitely ministered. So it's important. Yes, there would be barrenness. Yes, there would be silence. Yes, there could be seclusion moments in our lives. But God does not seem to speak. 
where God does not seem to answer. But don't give up. It's time to build up your relationship with Him so that when the time finally comes, you know, you are able to also praise and worship God. Finally, Elizabeth's death. The Bible doesn't mention how she died, you know, but is the last time where Elizabeth is mentioned in the Bible. And here her earthly story ends. Some scholars believe that Zechariah was killed when he wouldn't turn over the location of his son during the Roman infanticide, resulting in Elizabeth fleeing with John into the deserts of Judea and remaining under the protection of the Essenes. Some people believe that Elizabeth died quietly of old age, leaving John's upbringing to his famous Qumran community. We do not know. There is no evidence either way, but the Bible does not mention about her death. But all that is mentioned so far is her barrenness and God's promise. Let's look at some lessons we can learn from her life today. Number one. God is Jehovah Jireh, and he always provides. He always provides. He's a God who keeps his promise. Okay, That's what Elizabeth you know, uh, means. And for all those years of barrenness, they prayed, both of them. Never gave up on God. Never said, hey, let's do something else. You know, but they continued to pray. And the scripture does tell us because of her prayers, because of their prayers, God says he has answered. He has provided. So that is the first aspect of the provision, that God provided their need for a child, which was in God's plan. Also, if you notice, when she was in seclusion, okay, soon after Gabriel visited Mary, you know, Mary goes and meets up with Elizabeth. And that, I believe, also would have been a, an intense time of recognizing that God provided for Elizabeth. Her faith would have been nurtured and encouraged in her to know that, yes, God has answered their prayers for the Messiah, always provides. So no matter whatever dark spot you are going through, no matter whatever rough patches you may be going through, remember our God is Jehovah Jireh. He always provides. He always provides. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, comparison trap. Avoid the comparison trap. Okay, We said earlier that when she met up with Mary, there was no feeling of you know, sort of being upset to say, hey, how come she is the one who's going to carry the Messiah and not me? I'm the senior one. No, there is rejoicing. She says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. She recognizes her role, and as a result, there's no comparison. Oftentimes, you know, when uh, some other individual will receive an answer to prayer, and you have been praying, you have not got it, you know, you can be upset. Or you have been praying for something, and that person gets a better thing. Maybe he or she gets a promotion. He or she gets a better house, a better car. You know, the grass is greener on that side. And you can sit and compare, and you can be definitely jealous. But no, just avoid this comparison. Okay, What if we were genuinely happy for how God has blessed others? That's what she said. Happy, you know, blessed, you know, are you? you know? That was her response. She did not compare in any way. She thought out of herself. She thought for her. And as a result, you know, because she saw the blessing that God had given to Mary, she was able to rejoice. What if we rested in the fact that we are just the way God wants us, that we have exactly what our Lord says we would need? Okay. She recognized her role. Her role was to be the one who will bring John the Baptist, the forerunner into this world. And as a result, she was not upset with anything else. Now, this is what the scripture speaks about. Godliness plus contentment is great gain. 
But if you are comparing what we have, what somebody else has, that's not contentment. Contentment is being happy with what God has blessed us with. And when you see the blessing that God has given to others, rejoice over that rather than being upset. She did not fall into this trap. Thirdly, God puts people into our lives at just the right time at just the right time. God has a way of doing that, isn't it? I'm sure we have all gone through experiences like this, where at the right time, somebody gave, you know, called us or sent an email to us, you know, you know, something that we really needed at that particular time. God brought people into our lives at just the right time. That's what we learn here. At just the right time, you know, Mary and Elizabeth were able to connect together. Who did it? God did it. At just the right time, Zechariah was there where the angel Gabriel could speak. Who did it? God did it. God is the one who puts the pieces together. So instead of we trying to shift people, shift places, shift positions, you know, let's trust God that God will put people together in our lives at just the right time. And let us continue to depend on him. Fourthly, God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Remember, Elizabeth's name means that God keeps his oath. Our God is a God of abundance. When Elizabeth went for so many years without conceiving, she had no idea that in her twilight years, God will keep his promises to her. You know, he kept his promise. He kept his promise. Okay. Now, you may be going through situations right now and you may be struggling with God has not kept his promise. You know, and you may not feel as if you, know, you are making any difference for God because you know, God seems to have abandoned you. Now, don't give up on God. God keeps his promise. You may not see it at work now, but he is at work. He always keeps his promises. It may be a long time. 40 years, you know, it's no short time, but don't give up. God always keeps his promises. Fifthly, we should bless others whenever we have the opportunity and not be selfish. No. Elizabeth came and met with came and met with Elizabeth. Okay. Now, could started the conversation. Elizabeth could have started the conversation, isn't it, with the exciting news. Hey, do you know what has happened? And uh, in my old age, I'm bearing a child, and this is what happened. The angel met with Zechariah. She could have blurted out all that. No, she was not thinking about herself. What did she do? Immediately, she says, you know, blessed you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. She was not thinking about herself. She was not selfish to share her blessings. She was giving a listening ear to the other person. And that's so important, so important. Oftentimes, you know, between two individuals, the conversation can be one-sided. One person is doing all the talking, doing all the talking, never really wanting to give a time to the other person. But Elizabeth here, as soon as they met, she was not talking about herself. She was talking about Mary. She was talking about what God was doing for her. Most of us get so wrapped up in our own worries that we forget that there are people around us who need encouragement. We may think of only our problems, or we may think of only our joys. We don't realize the other person. But look at what 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It's plain and simple. God says he comforts us so that we can comfort others. She's been in seclusion. God has comforted her. So as soon as Mary comes along, she would have definitely had questions. How is this? What is going to happen to me? This is what society is saying. She's able to give that comfort to Mary. Her focus is not on herself, but her focus is on Mary. So let's learn from Elizabeth and look around and see who needs some encouragement today. Maybe it's likely that God wants to use you to help someone 
who is going through something which you have already experienced. Be a blessing to others through your words. Sixthly, we should look for opportunities to give others a reason to praise God. Now, Elizabeth's blessing to Mary caused Mary to praise God. That's what we find in verses 46 to 55. Mary was so overcome by Elizabeth's words of blessing that she broke out in praise. Ask yourself, when people are around you, are you a source of an encouragement? Do your words cause people to praise God? Do you bolster their faith? Or when you are around them, all that you are talking about is, oh, this didn't happen, that didn't happen, this bad thing happened, this calamity happened. Is all the negative that they are talking about. What did Elizabeth do? She spoke to Mary. And as a result, it caused Mary to come out in song. So think before you speak. And whenever possible, let your words and your behaviors prompt them to praise our Heavenly Father. Take use of the opportunities so that people, when they look at you, when they hear you talk, the focus would not be on yourself, but the focus will be to praise God for what He is doing in your life. Seventh, choose joy instead of jealousy. Choose joy instead of jealousy. Elizabeth felt honored by God with her own pregnancy, but instead of feeling jealous that Mary had even a greater blessing, she was truly happy for her. She was truly happy for her. Remember, jealousy can cause emotional and spiritual degeneration. It breaks down friendships, it causes families to break apart, and it would also cause strife in the workplace. Jealousy, you know, the green-eyed monster, you know, will can really disrupt relationships. When we focus on God and build our faith in Him, we can rest in knowing that He is doing what is best for us. And when we know that he is doing what is best for us, we don't feel jealousy, isn't it? You know, when you know that whatever he is doing in our lives, that's the best. So we may look at somebody else's life and say, hey, that's the best for him. But for me, God is doing the best in my life. So if our focus is what God is doing in our lives and we consider that as the best thing, God makes all things work together for his good in my life then we can have joy instead of jealousy. Number eight, Elizabeth provides an example of genuine faith which is not diminished by God's delays. Genuine faith which is not diminished by God's delays. Remember, 400 years, no talk, no hearing the voice of God. But our faith did not grow dim at all. Remember, Old Testament times, there were people. God promised Abraham, yes, through you, nations of the earth will be blessed through your seed. What did Sarah say? Hey, how about Hagar? God is not hearing. In a long time, we have not heard from God. Respond to give God a helping hand. That's not what did. Also, if you notice, Old Testament, we have Rachel, who seemed to think that, you know, you know, you could uh, manipulate, you know, the womb to find out which child is going to be born. You know, and if the child is going to be born, by different, different techniques that they thought they could manipulate. Now, that's not what Elizabeth did. She gives an example of a genuine faith in God. When a person is past childbearing age, when a, a situation comes which is now beyond if you were to say, now this is impossible, okay, that is where we can spend time in assurance that God still answers prayer. Not in the way that we would want to, but in the way that is best for her, for us. Remember in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 to 13, we find that Daniel prayed, but the answer was delayed for three weeks. Here also you find they prayed, but the answer was delayed for so many years. God answers his prayer in his own way, in his own time. 
And Elizabeth and Zechariah give us a good example of genuine faith in the midst of silent years, in the midst of barrenness, in the midst of delays by God as we look at it, but they did not give up. Number nine, she broke with tradition. She broke with tradition. Remember, when it came to the naming ceremony, it was the father who decided. That was the Jewish culture, you know. But here, she is the one who spoke up with a lot of courage, spoke up with a lot of courage and said, his name is John. His name is John. Used Elizabeth this, okay. She could have kept her mouth shut at that time. She was in seclusion, remember, for five months. You know, she could have kept her mouth shut and hoped maybe, you know, God would open Zechariah's mouth at this time so that he would say that his name is John and that would be a miracle of miracles. No. When the time came, she had to speak. She spoke up. Even though it was against the traditions for a woman to speak up in public like that, she was definitely willing to do that. So, number 10, her story inspires hope. It inspires hope. Gabriel told uh, Mary, your relative, Elizabeth, even though she is old, she is going to have a son. God can do anything. God can do anything. And that is the hope that we can have even in our lives today. As we study about you know, Elizabeth and John the Baptist, as we study about Mary and Jesus, we understand even during this season that their lives speaks about hope. In a hopeless world, in a silent world, then God brought hope to people who were looking forward for the Messiah. In a world today which has questions about where is God, how does God work, God gives the answer that the hope is in Jesus. The hope is in the fact that he sent Jesus into the world as a baby, later on to grow up, to die on the cross for us, to rise again for us. So that death is not the final thing. There's a hope even beyond the grave. Elizabeth's story inspires hope in us that our God is a God who keeps his promise. Our God is a God who answers our prayers that God do anything. Number 11, unanswered prayer should not be seen by itself as a judgment on a person and their relationship with God. Oftentimes when uh, God hears your prayer, immediately either you yourself or somebody else will say, it's because of some sin in your life. It's God's judgment on you. This is why God has not answered your prayer. No, no. There's no link between the two. Yes, we have to be careful. If there is sin blocking our relationship, we must definitely get that sorted out. But unanswered prayer should never be seen by itself you know, as a judgment by, from God. Because you know, just as much as the Old Testament did say, speak about barrenness you know, as a punishment, if you were to say it. But still, you know, it is never viewed as a judgment because God did open up the wombs. You know, and respond to the cries of his people. Number 12, even into our advanced age, God can bring life into the world through each of us. God doesn't favor the young or the old. Mary was a young adolescent virgin and Elizabeth was advanced in years. And through each woman, young as well as old, he brought life that contributed to his plan of redemption. Look at Daniel's life. He was a teenager when he was taken into captivity. But God used him as a teenager along with his three friends. And then later on, in his 80s, he's thrown into the den of lions. God still uses him. So old age is no barrier to being used by God any more than his youth. Any age, God can still bring life into the world. So if you are a young person this evening, God can use you. Don't say, I want to get older, then only God can use you. If you are an older person listening this evening, don't say, now it's all over now. Now it's in my retirement years. Now, now it's all over and I can't do anything for God. No, even into our advanced age, God can still bring life into the world.
through each of us. Number 13, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. One of the hardest things to do when we pray is to wait for God's answers. It is interesting in Luke chapter 1 how often Luke uses this phrase or equivalent for time. Let me just share this with you. In one Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod. Verse 10, it says, And when the time for the burning of incense came, verse 20, My words which will come true at their proper time. Verse 23, When his time of service was completed. Verse 24, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Verse 39, at that time, God, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Jesus' prayer, according to his timing, and his delays are not the same thing as his denials. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wait for God's timing. God's timing is the perfect timing. Let's not rush God in order to do something for us. Wait for his timing. 14. Speak up. Speak up. Right. Remember, we spoke about this earlier as well. Seclusion for five months, no speaking. When Mary comes in, there is a speaking. That's the time right. And then later on here also, you know, when his name is John. She was not afraid to say what she knew to be true, no matter what others thought of her. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to remain silent, there's also a time to speak. The question would be, do we speak out for God? There's a right time, definitely, but do we speak out for God? Or do we keep ourselves shut and quiet? 15, enjoy the blessing of believing. Enjoy the blessing of believing. Every member of Elizabeth's family was impacted by the announcement of the Lord's salvation. The scripture tells us in verse 58, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. And they shared her joy. Not only is your life blessed, but also others are blessed as well. You brought joy into the life of others because of your right response to what God has done in your life. And when Zechariah says that word of prophecy about what John is going to do and how he is going to herald the coming of the Messiah, we must remember that's the responsibility that God has given to us. When it says his name is John, the scripture also teaches us there is no other way except Jesus. There is only one individual who can bring us into a right relationship with God. And in the world that we live in, where people speak about different roads leading to heaven, our job is in a high time to stand up and to speak when the time is right, to say, no, there is only one way. His name is Jesus. And especially during this season, when the world celebrates in a Christmas in whatever way they want to, our responsibility is to share with the world that, yes, there is a way that God has made for us so that we can come into a relationship and fellowship with God. His name is Jesus. May the Lord enable us to share this joy with others around us, even during this time, and so that they too can enjoy the blessing of believing. A couple of applications uh, questions this uh, evening before we close. Number one, what aspects of Elizabeth's life do you find most challenging? What aspects of Elizabeth's life do you find most challenging? Number two, how do you think Zacharias and Elizabeth kept faithful to the Lord during those years of waiting? How do they keep themselves faithful? Number three, in what area of life are you experiencing unmet expectations? What prayers have been met with silence? Don't identify what are those areas where you feel God has not really answered. Number four, 
and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God. What things in your life might make it difficult to apply that same statement to you? Would you be willing to covenant with God to seek his victory in these areas? Number five, do you find traces of jealousy in your life periodically? If so, try recounting some of the special things that God has done for you so that you know that you have definitely in a, a plan. God has a plan for you in your life. Number six, what promises in God's word do you find difficult to believe? Memorize them, meditate on them, and claim them from God. Number seven, is there a situation in your life that seems impossible? Committed to prayer for the patience to live with it graciously until he changes it possible for God. Number eight, have you stopped praying for something because there has been no answer? Don't give up. When you pray, God hears. You know? In what area do you need to begin interceding again? Do you need to start praying again for a person who doesn't yet know Jesus? For a relationship that will honor Christ? Maybe for your spouse, or maybe for a prodigal child, or maybe for your parents, or maybe for a financial situation? Let's believe God, that God does hear and God does answer our prayers. Not in our way, not in our time, but in the way he would want to, which is the best for us. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.